Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Monday, November the 11th, it is Veterans Day as we honor those who have served our country. We will discuss that here on FST as well as recap everything that happened in fantasy football this weekend. A little college football shakeup as well. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Joe Pizzapia. Once again, Veterans Day as we honor those who have served our country. We want to make sure that we understand that this show is dedicated to you. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you. At Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17. As we honor those here on the show today. For those of you who have the day off of work, certainly we appreciate you giving us your time today. And I know those of you who are with family or certainly in remembrance of those we have lost. Uh, definitely a dedication of this show today for you. Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing this show. And Joe, in uh, fantasy over the weekend, look, it was kind of hard to project how many points there would be. There were a lot of teams that were off this past week. And I think that uh, looking at it, I thought that, yeah, 100 win. But lo and behold, a lot of really high-scoring games yesterday, three or four games going into the 50s, which certainly provided a lot of excitement. A lot of these games went down to the end over the weekend. Yeah, they really did. Uh, you had that uh, crazy finish there at the very end of the uh, the game between the Packers and the Panthers. That was very exciting. Actually, good news on that one, Craig. I defended my crown. You'd be so proud of me for the the, the uh, Survivor pool. So now two years in a row, I'm the last man standing in Survivor. And boy, wow. that was that was kind of uh, tedious at the end there. I was kind of biting my nails. I was like, oh my God, I just need one win here. just need the win. And uh, and finally got that. You also had the uh, the, the fun end to that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game. You had the missed field goal at the very end for the Chiefs. So, yeah, these are a lot of games that went to the brink. And I'll tell you what, some huge surprises too. some games where especially that Chiefs game in particular, which I know we're going to get to a little later. Man, I feel like that was a game you kind of had to win. I know you hate to say, well, this is a must win game and all that stuff. But you know what? You got Mahomes back. He's healthy. He's there. You have the opportunity. And then you don't win that football game. It kind of puts you in a tough spot there. I know they're six and four now. I know they're not done, but that was a W they had in their hands, I feel like, and they let it go. And good for Ryan Tannehill, man. He's played well since he's gotten the job. Yeah, really shocking result there because not not of nothing is a shocking result for me in the NFL, but shocking to see how poorly uh, Tennessee played in the first quarter and then even going into the second half of that game. And a couple of fourth down situations were converted. And then, unfortunately, the Chiefs did, uh, or for them, they botched a you know, field goal attempt at the end of the game, uh, although Butker did have a good game as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be a hot topic for everybody today, wondering or not whether or not, Joe, that he still has a chance to win the MVP. And, of course, it was the Bengals. And, boy, their defense just did not show up at all for that game. Poor Ryan Finley was forced to throw from beginning to end. But Lamar Jackson, with that signature run that he had there, Joe, uh, running about 40, 50 yards into the end zone, I mean, look, Russell Wilson is going to be up there. Aaron Rodgers has to also. But I, I think this is a genuine three-man race for the last half of the season to see who wins this thing. I think it's wide open. 
It is. And I'll tell you what, that run is definitely one of those runs for the ages. That spin move he does off there. You're right. The Bengals defense didn't show up and yet it was the Bengals. So I want to see what Wilson does tonight, because if Wilson goes out there and beats the 49ers in San Francisco, I think he continues to be the favorite here. But Lamar Jackson's right on his tail. And I, I, you know, I had a tweet that I just put out there for fun last week. You know, all I said was very simply, it's amazing to think that the Browns could have had Saquon Barkley with the one pick and then they could have taken Lamar Jackson at four and Basically, the implication was, and I clarified in the second tweet, I, Nick Chubb is great. Don't get me wrong. It just would have been really cool to see a defense try to stop those two guys at the same time. And it's amazing how Browns Nation came after me. Oh, this and that, all this crap, you know, he's just a running back, all this stuff. I, I don't know if you're watching or not, but if if you're not watching the Lamar Jackson play quarterback, I, I don't know what you're missing here. This guy is a phenomenal talent. And you know what? I feel like his draft stock fell because of his phenomenal athleticism and the way he talks, okay? He doesn't sound like the way most quarterbacks in the NFL sound. You know what? I don't care. He doesn't play the way most quarterbacks in the NFL play either. And what we're seeing, this evolution at the position, this is a trend that you're going to continue to see, I think. You're going to see more and more of this kind of athletic, talented, young black quarterback come to the league. And everybody who, you know, in the past needs to kind of catch up to that. And Lamar Jackson right now is just playing on a different level. And don't say he doesn't do it against good teams, because he did. Did it against the Pats. So if you do it against the Bengals too, you can only do it against the teams that's on the schedule. And there aren't a lot of good teams on anybody's schedule this year. That's the way that kind of is. I really, at this point, uh, I'm over the whole uh, narrative of teams passing on Jackson for a couple of things, a couple of reasons. The first is 25 teams passed on him. I mean, look, th- these guys are smart GMs. And yeah, well, I mean, 25 give the, teams how about don't need a quarterback. The, that's the thing. That, right. That and so, and, draft right, so right. But among those, the, right. right. But among those, the only ones to blame are the ones that needed a quarterback. In that right. So there's only five like, teams. Need a quarterback. Right. They were there were five teams. Those are the teams that you could hold accountable. Those are the teams right. you could hold. Accountable. And it's funny. That's I it. wasn't even That's holding it. the Browns accountable because I don't think they necessarily went the wrong route. I just wanted I just thought it would be fun to watch a defense try to guard the two most explosive, arguably the most explosive players. In well, the NFL well, well, let's hold on a minute here, because in terms of explosive, I mean, I got to tell you, there's a chance, Joe, that. We have seen the last game played this season from Saquon Barkley, man. So let's yeah. let's slow the roll here. A little oh bit no, I, I look. Obviously, this was. I mean, last not week, only did he look, not only did he look right, but and oh, well, let's 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 talk about it though. I mean, because not only did he play poorly, there is a lot of discussion that he was hurt. He would not talk about having an MRI or any kind of surgery after the game. He refused comment, and I am really worried. I'm not worried for his future. I still think he'll be a good running back. But with the way that the Giants are, Joe, and the position that they are in right now for the enemy, I mean, you could say that they move back, but they have leapfrogged about four teams with that loss to the Jets yesterday. They leapfrogged the Dolphins. They leapfrogged the Jets. They are sitting there with a chance to get a top three pick in the NFL draft. If I'm a Barkley owner, I am petrified right now, Joe. I, I think that there's a chance he doesn't play again. Well, look, I think there's a there's a chance to play again this year. And yes, that's that's certainly possible. But at the same time, I think, you know, as fantasy owners, I think you look at this and this is the repercussion of perhaps pushing yourself too early to come back. Uh, that's that's just what happens. So whether it is the ankle, whether there's something else in the leg that because of the ankle, um, you know, like whenever you have one of these doctors on some of the better ones, they'll always tell you the same thing, which is when a player has an injury where they have a weakness somewhere, it tends to then develop a weakness somewhere else because of compensation in the body. It's not something even the athlete realizes they're doing. It's something their body is physiologically doing. So this is what happens. So we all want the guys back. We all, Oh my God, Saquon's superhuman. Let's go spin his blood and give it to everybody. So they can always come back. 
no, he's still a human being. And sometimes, you know, pushing it is, is the admirable thing to do. But sometimes there's repercussions from that. And unfortunately, I think that's where we're at right now. And that was a that was a um, surprisingly fun game to watch yesterday. I don't know how much you caught of that one, but that looked like a turkey <laughs> going into it. And it turned out to be yeah, you never know. Uh, it would turn out to be a fun football game at the very least, a little back and forth between the Jets and Giants. Yeah, I watched them all. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm re- I my I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. If I'm a Barkley owner, I am petrified that I'm not getting him the rest of the season as, as a dynasty guy. I think you're OK. But as a season-long redraft guy, you're in big trouble. All right, coming up next, it's time for the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. We will take a quick timeout. We'll get right to it. Craig and Joe back with you here on the show. Don't forget, we're here Monday through Friday, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on FST, reviewing everything that's happening in fantasy sports. we got a Monday night football game to get to in a little bit. And, of course, we will uh, touch on the LSU-Alabama game, what that means uh, for the NFL, with players that we saw in that game that we liked a lot, and what it means for the college football playoff as it looks like, at least on the outset, that Alabama, really with the loss, hasn't lost a lot of stock based on the way their defense played against the Tigers. All right, so we've reached our first time out here on the show. Opening drive is next, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. This is Frank Mish along with Joe Pizzapia, and we'll be right back after this. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is the opening drive here on the show. Craig and Joe back with you here, noon to 2 Eastern, and full-time fantasy takes over at that point with all the reaction from the coaches' Monday press conferences and the injury updates that may happen. You'll have that coming up in the next hour or two. But let's get right to it and start off with arguably one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this season, another lackluster performance from fantasy from reality in any way you look at it from the los angeles rams sean McVay got his team all the way to the super bowl last year and is probably in over the last two years has outscored his opponents off the bye week more than any coach in the nfl i believe it was going in 81 to 13 and joe they laid a complete egg at pittsburgh and i would say at this point does it look like the window for any kind of championship or any kind of run has closed for them? Anyone who was surprised by that result has not been watching the Rams all year. Uh, I talked at length with Mike Blewett on Sunday morning. My favorite defense on the board was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why? Because golf historically not as good on the road. They don't have that game changing ability from Todd Gurley anymore. That's disappeared. Brandon Cooks was out of this game, which took a lot of that big shot downfield kind of stuff. And the Steelers defense has played very well. Since they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick, they have played much better. Uh, They've been able to cover more, which allows them to get a better pass rush. They were all over Jared Goff yesterday. They had a lot of pressure on the quarterback, got to him a fair amount too. 
And uh, on top of which, I also have a much speedier linebacking core there with guys like Devin Bush, who was able to get out there in space and make things happen and tackle guys and, and play a little coverage, too, which is something they've also lacked, that ability to man up. They've been this zone defense for a very long time. And so I want to give the Steelers a lot of credit here. So not just kind of bashing the Rams, but the Rams, we talked about them a couple weeks ago as being a team that could potentially win nine, 10 games and miss the playoffs. And now I'm starting to look at the schedule ahead and I'm wondering if they can win 10 games. They got the Bears. They got the Ravens. They got the Seahawks. They got the Cowboys. They got the 49ers. I don't know, Craig. I think this is the classic Super Bowl hangover that we've seen quite a bit. We saw it happen with the Carolina Panthers. Saw it happen with the Atlanta Falcons. Now we're seeing it with the Rams. The teams that go in there lose the Super Bowl. They just don't necessarily come back very well the next year. Yeah, I, I'm still not not uh, feeling that Gurley will be anything near what he used to be. But nope. I also will say this. That, that offensive line is a disaster. I don't know what is going on with that offensive bad. line. They're right. constantly getting to golf. And that's a complete change from where they were the last couple of years. And so that's going to have to be a position that the Rams attack in the draft. And you would assume with the talent that they have, they can get right back at it. But uh, I don't think, like you, that this year is realistic at all. I'd be surprised if they win nine games at this point. They just looked terrible against a team that they should have at the very least, uh, I mean, been in a, I guess they were in a position to win the game at the end. Well, this is what we did a couple weeks ago. We looked at it and we said, okay, these are the winnable games there. And one that we checked off was this Pittsburgh game. And this was before... You know, things started rolling a little bit for that Pittsburgh defense. So this is another one of those games you take off. And you know what? You're right. They're not a 10-win team anymore. They're probably a 9-win team, if that. And that's not going to be good enough. No way. Not with the way this division's been playing. Yeah, they can't tank. But, man, if I was them, I would just punt this, man. I just, I don't think they're a good team. All right. uh, Second down, the monster upsets in the NFL. And you mentioned the survivor pool earlier. I mean, man, I mean, any, any kind of survivor pool that people were still alive in, unless you went off the grid, I mean, how do you figure ever that the Saints not only would just not cover against the Falcons, but the Falcons go to New Orleans and just kill them? Like, that was unbelievable. And then the Colts is a, was probably a popular pick based on the point spread. But what we saw yesterday is Jacoby Brissett on one leg is just going to have to play for the Colts this week because Hoyer's career in the NFL, I think even as a backup, Joe, is over. The Dolphins go into the season looking like a historically bad team. And with now having two wins and a game against the Bengals coming up in a couple weeks... There's a chance they've gone from having the number one overall pick to six or seven. Yeah, which is not great. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, I know they want to win football games. I know they've got pride and all that, but it's not great, especially after watching that Alabama game this weekend with LSU. And I was watching Joe Burrow play quarterback. And I, oh, I kept thinking, I was like, you know, I feel like Joe Burrow might be the best quarterback for the NFL in terms of suited. And I know Tua wasn't 100%, so I don't want to. I've watched a lot of Tua also, but Burrow's got that intangible other quality too, which is rare but you watch him when he plays he makes the play when he needs to make the play and that's that's a very special thing but uh, yeah it, this saints thing i don't know if you want to blame it you know flat off the bye blame it on not taking the falcons seriously. i have no idea but you know what this is it's not surprising to me in the sense that this is a rivalry kind of game here and teams tend to show up in those scenarios and these are always very dangerous games to pick because no matter how bad a team is you and i both know when you're playing a team that you have a rival with you have two you know big time quarterbacks anything can happen And the New Orleans Saints, I mean, Drew Brees will tell you in the press conference, I heard him talking about it. We just, you know, every mistake you could make, every bad penalty you could make, every uh, just complete and utter disaster. The only good thing was Michael Thomas, which isn't amazing. Michael Thomas is bulletproof. There's nothing you can do. You could score nine points in a game and Michael Thomas can come away with 20. Isn't that spectacular? I God, I love that guy. Yeah, Peterman could be quarterback and still he can catch 13 balls <laughs> for 150 yards. I'd he's like been, to throw the ball been, to Michael yeah, Thomas. I, I, I think he's, I, I think he could be 
if this continues, I think he could be like the third overall pick in fantasy next year. I think he's there. He's getting right there for me. To, to I, there. I mean, can't argue with that at all. He's kind of back in that, yeah. that that range where a couple years Antonio Brown had that run where he was arguably the number one. I feel like Michael Thomas is that good right now. Yeah, he is. All right, and uh, on third down here, the Alabama-LSU game did live up to the hype in terms of scoring. Wow, wow. just an incredible yeah. display from two offenses. Unfortunately, the defenses, especially for Alabama, didn't really show up. Uh, Joe Burrow, who couldn't get out of his own way two years ago against Alabama, was fantastic. Tua, as Joe mentioned, definitely was not 100%, and I still think has the stronger arm, has the running ability. If he's healthy, I think that he'll still go ahead of Burrow in the draft. Uh, but can you can you go off one game there? I know that it's like hot take city to say, oh, man, LSU won. I mean, Burrow won the Heisman. I mean, that's clear. Burrow won the Heisman with that win. I'll give him that. But can you go off that one win without seeing anything else and just say, hey, into the draft next year, 2020, uh, number one pick is Burrow over two? I think some of it has to do with the system you're running and the, and the pieces you have. I think there's some systems that maybe two would be a better fit. But if you just ask me to vacuum I, after what I – I, look, I saw a lot of Tua last year, too, and Tua, to a certain extent, is also propped up by a phenomenal offensive line and phenomenal weapons around him. Um, but Burrow, to me, would be the way I would go, just because of, like I said, those those moments where whenever he was in a third down spot, whenever he was in a, a moment where he had to make a play, he made it. And I just, I just, I don't know. And, and I'll tell you what, you know what actually really came to me that watching this whole game was Edwards Hilaire and uh, Najee Harris. And those guys... Alaire had some of these runs, man, where, I mean, just beastly. And so did Harris, too. I mean, both these guys were just spectacular to watch. I'm excited because I think those guys are both fantasy running backs for sure next year. And I think those guys could start out of the gate next year. I was just blown away. As great as the quarterbacks were, and everybody wants to talk about the quarterback play, it was the running back play that, to me, was the unsung story of that game. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, LSU is now in a position no doubt to uh, play for the national championship regardless of what happens bar even if they lose in the sec championship i think that they've got themselves there alabama is in an interesting position they're in the four spot now so if they do win out uh, they won't have a chance to play in that sec championship game but it would seem to me with penn state losing they're right there they certainly have a shot uh, to play for the championship even with that loss all right uh fourth down uh this is something that you do not see every day madonna is being sued joe by a florida man <laughs> and he went in December to see a uh, show of Madonna on uh, Miami Beach at the Fillmore Theater, which is a very popular place. She was an hour and a half late, uh, however you want to say it. And a man is actually taking her to court over this, saying that she did not come out until she uh, it was about 10.30 p.m. The concert was supposed to start at 8, I guess. And then Madonna at her Las Vegas concert last night said that the queen is never late. So I would ask you this, Joe. Does anybody re- uh, deserve a refund from a concert because the entertainer showed up late? Mm, it's interesting. It's definitely intriguing. Um, I don't like when acts go on late. I don't. I think that's a very frustrating thing. Uh, I am a concert goer. I know you have to go to another Billy Joel concert in your future. But, you know, I think when you're dealing with the diva concert, you almost have to kind of let's have to kind of take this into account when you're buying the ticket. Like, you know, that Madonna or Mariah Carey or whatever it is, or one of these diva people are going to show up and sing whenever they want to sing. You know, I, I feel like you kind of know what you're getting into, so I don't think he's going to win this lawsuit. But he, yeah, that's a good point. 10.30 is kind of late. You want to go at 9, even 9.30 is kind of pushing it. 10.30 is a little late to go on there and start an yeah. act. She didn't come on till 11 in uh, a different that, that thing. I remember texting me at 11 saying, not on yet. Okay. God. All right. We are never going to be late here for this show. Coming up next, we start diving into the game capsules in the NFL. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go 
Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The Monday Replay. The Monday Replay. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening up a sports wagering account with FanDuel. New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open up a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports. You're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid. Open up your new account. Claim your free wager of up to $500 today. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make sure that you go to the website to check your eligibility uh, possibilities and restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. And welcome back to the show. Craig and Joe here with you. Uh, Okay, we start off with the potential MVP of the NFL, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Boy, how did I possibly think that the Bengals had a shot to win this game? What a disaster this was. Probably maybe my worst call the whole season here. Um, Bengals coming off a bye. Teams know each other. Ravens given 10 and a half points, and they could have given 30. It wouldn't have made any difference in this one. Because although the Cincinnati's offense actually looked okay, their defense was the worst defense I've seen play in the NFL this season. Lamar Jackson threw for 223 passing yards, rushed for 65 yards and a touchdown. Ingram at least got himself a touchdown before he came out of the game. They didn't need him. Marquise Brown, 80 and a touchdown. And then Mark Andrews, who uh, right now in fantasy is grading out as, I believe, the number two tight end in all of fantasy football. Six for 58, two more touchdowns for him. Even Boyle caught four passes for 78 yards. Ryan Finley from NC State got off to a tough start. They were down big, then threw a pick six. One touchdown, one interception for him. They decided to just let Joe Mixon finally get his carries, which he did, and he made the most of it. 30 carries, 114 yards, two catches, 37 yards. And even in garbage time, Boyd and the rest couldn't do very much. Six for 62. So, Joe, this game was really over before it began. And as we touched on earlier in the show, Jackson is just basically padding his stats at this point. And I believe when the MVP odds come out later today, He will either be the favorite or tied for it. So we'll see what Russell Wilson does tonight. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're kind of right there. The the phrase is it was over before it started, basically. And you not were the only one who was feeling that this could be a bit of a letdown game for them after that big Patriot uh, victory on the Sunday night football. There's a lot of people uh, who who thought that. Uh, But, you know, those kind of letdowns go only as far as your next opponent. And when your next opponent is the Bengals playing a rookie quarterback. Uh, it's just, it was just not going to be a good scene there. And they took a great advantage. And a lot of people also were a little worried about Andrews. Oh my God, what's happened? Because last week, you know, he wasn't on the field as much. What's going to happen? Is he shifting? No, he's not shifting. The Patriots like to take away your best weapon. Your best weapon, your most reliable one was Andrews. So they took him away. And then you, you know, they had to beat him with other guys. And he did. He beat him with the other tight ends. Guys like Boyle and Hurst actually got active again. But Andrews with a terrific game in this one. Marquise Brown, four for 80 and a touchdown. Great outing for him, too. It's a guy that's not going to be a heavy volume receiver. He's not the greatest in terms of PPR. But in terms of making the most and in terms of efficiency, 
Marquise Brown, as long as he's healthy on the field, can be that guy who catches four balls for 80 yards and a touchdown, which is not easy to do. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the story, though. I mean, the three touchdowns passing, the 65 yards on the ground there, a 47-yard run that we talked about earlier, just terrific. And look, I'm surprised actually Mark Ingram didn't have more in this game. He only had 34 yards, but the touchdown regardless, so Ingram still gives you a decent value. Uh, you know, Mixon, at least it was a good fantasy day, no touchdown, but at least you got the volume, the 30 carries. Yes, please, more of that, please, but uh, it is Lamar Jackson's world, Craig, and we are just living in it. Yeah, and and Mixon looked good. I watched I watched he this did. game very closely with with some stake on the Bengals, and Mixon did uh, look really good. As a matter of fact, it's just they were down so big. But th- this is exactly what the Bengals should be doing the rest of the season, win or lose, is at least keep uh, Mixon happy. And and look, because because I think he could go into a situation next year of not wanting to play, and and I wouldn't blame him by the way for that. I mean, their their best receiver doesn't want to play either. Uh, what what would be the point of Mixon going into next year? Because the Bengals, even with drafting Tua or drafting Burrow. And, and even drafting other guys to help uh, Bengals over under in Vegas next year ain't going to be higher than four. I can tell you that right now. So Mixon goes into his free agent season on a terrible team again. I, I would be very careful about drafting him in best ball and early drafts next year. I don't think he's going to play. Falcons beat the Saints. This was an absolute stunner. Shocker. I don't know how to describe this. The Saints could have just eked out this game, which is what I was expecting after I saw the early part of the game, well, Saints will come back. Falcons defense isn't good. But no, they just couldn't get over the red zone. I don't know what happened in this game. Matt Ryan, 182 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Devontae Freeman rushed for 38 yards before getting hurt. And then Brian Hill took over. 20 carries, 62 yards. He caught a touchdown pass. He'll easily be the number one pickup on the waiver wire, which people should have jumped on last week. Julio Jones, three catches, 79 yards. Hooper, another touchdown for him. Number one tight end in fantasy this year, no doubt. For Breeze, a very disappointing day. 287, no touchdowns. Kamara didn't look great running, but he did catch eight balls for 50 yards, so he got you your 10 points. And then Michael Thomas had 13 catches for 152 yards in this game. And so, as Joe, we alluded to, look, rivalry game. But look, a rivalry game is also the Bengals and the Browns, or the Bengals and the uh, Ravens, too. So, I, and I, I certainly understand when you have Matt Ryan there, you have a chance, although shopped through for 450 yards two weeks ago. I, I mean, look, this is a matter of the Saints got into the red zone a billion times and just kept kicking field goals. I would guess that they'll be completely fly, fine, and this is a blip on the radar, but the Falcons are not supposed to go into New Orleans and win the game. Cover? Yes. Play close? Sure. But win? No. That's not supposed to happen. No, it's not. And I think there's a lot of people that felt like, okay, after the halftime, they'll come back and New Orleans will get it all together. But then now, no, no, it didn't happen. It was unbelievable. This was stunning, stunning in the DFS community, too, because I know a lot of people were all in on the whole, you know, Kamara and Murray and everybody. And this was my fear of last week's game with Seattle, where sometimes, you know, the Seattle and the Bucks game, it all looked good on paper. You look at that big total. OK, it could be there. And it just doesn't happen. And you're just kind of oh, what a bummer. And I'll tell you what, too, losing Marshawn Lattimore in this game was huge as well. On the defensive side in the beginning of that game, Julio was getting stuffed everywhere. Lattimore came out with an injury. Next thing you know, Julio's catching balls all over the place. So, you know, that was that was a big difference in this game, too. And I give the Falcons a lot of credit because this was a team that certainly I think the everybody's basically left for dead. Let's be honest. I mean, we did. But they came out there and they competed. They went out there off the body and they said, hey, you know what? We're going to go out and we're going to bring it. And they did. And they came out with a W. This is a tough loss here, too, because in the NFC, I feel like there's not a lot of wiggle room because of how good that 49er record is. And this was a game that you should have won at home against a bad defense and you didn't. And you want the road to the Super Bowl to go through New Orleans, not through San Francisco. Not that it's a huge advantage, but usually that dome is an advantage for Drew Brees. So this is shocking. And I hope you have your running shoes on 
because you, Craig Mish, should absolutely take the victory lap for Brian Hill. Absolutely 100% Brian Hill. All you. Well, look, I mean, I don't like Freeman and I added Hill, but the problem, I mean, can you imagine playing in a league where I have Hill, I started Hill, I started Lamar Jackson and still lost? I mean, that just shows you that fantasy football is more about luck than it is about preparation because you can do all the right things. And then when you play against a team that scores the most points in the league, you lose. And it's effectively, that's going to end my fantasy season because now Two I'm going to be four all and six. play all play. If everyone plays everyone, you don't have these issues. happening. You have good teams reported all play. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, I think Hill is, you know, I mean, he'll be the number one guy picked up on the waiver wire. He Look, should it's, be. Just, it's not hard. It's not hard to see. I mean, Freeman's career is I don't want to say it's over, but my guess is uh he's in tennessee as the backup next year you know it's just it's it's come it's come to an end and look he won't like to hear this and he's still getting paid a lot of money he's got a good contract he will be cut in the offseason and a wonderful six seven eight year career whatever he's had no doubt about it but look he just he's not the same guy anymore and uh volume or not uh i don't even know how good brian hill will be but he's a starting running back now in the nfl somebody that uh you know obviously if you have the fab or you have the number one waiver you pick him up fortunately i have him uh, Bears beat the Lions 20 to 13. Lions led six nothing late in the first half. I fully expected them to bench Trubisky. Boy, would I have been wrong. He threw for three touchdowns all of a sudden late second half and into the end of the game. One to Gabriel, who, who dropped a bunch of passes too, by the way. Tariq Cohen scored a touchdown. Robinson, six for 86. Montgomery put up a dud more or less with 60 rushing yards. Uh, Driscoll on the side of Detroit. If you're just wondering why Driscoll played, well, right before the game, they announced that Matthew Stafford wasn't going to play because of his back. One touchdown, one interception, 37 rushing yards. Actually played better than I would have thought. Uh, McKissick was okay. Uh, 36 rushing yards, six catches, and PPR was fine. Ty Johnson, concussion. Sad for him. Obviously, shouldn't be playing him. Uh, Marvin Jones, okay. Five for 77. Galladay, three for 57 with a touchdown. Lions played better than I would have thought, not having Matthew Stafford. But in typical Lions fashion, Joe, their season is coming to an end very quickly, like it always does. It is. In October, You're right. Remember. And the and the Bears, uh, look, I mean, they kept their season alive. It's a winner, a loser, go home game next week against the Rams. I think for them, agreed. And I give them a puncher's chance in that game too. I really do. Um, not to be lost is Allen Robinson, who is just you could set your watch to six for eighty six in this one. No, we didn't have a touchdown, but that's okay. Uh, shocking that Trubisky threw for three touchdowns. It wasn't a prolific day for him by any stretch. But again, it's it's not about necessarily him being able to be this guy who's going to throw for 300 yard games, even though Montgomery wasn't good. I think the fact that you gave him the ball 17 times matters. It helps Trubisky. It helps kind of offset things a little bit, makes the offense a little bit more balanced. And that's what you want. And Driscoll did have a great moment there too. He had that deep touchdown pass where he escaped out of the pocket there. He almost got sacked, rolled out there and threw a huge touchdown to Kenny Galladay. It was a great moment for Driscoll. So he can hang his hat on that one. It was a tough spot there having to come in. Game time decision, basically, for uh, Matthew Stafford. He was ruled out about an hour before the game or two hours before the game. And uh, look, he played admirably in the spot. Not much you can expect there, but you're 100% right. The, all my good feelings about the, the Lions going into this year and uh, the first couple weeks of the season, they have all faded. If Matthew Stafford's not playing, you know, Darius Slay here, all these things, that's, that's too much. It's over. It's done. And so many things did not go their way, where I feel like eventually – this all, the negativity starts to seep into where, you know, you don't get that call against the Chiefs and you don't get that call against the Packers. And it starts to sink in that the breaks that always go certain teams way when that happens, they just start to roll and feel good about themselves. And the adverse happens too. when things don't go your way, it starts to seep in negatively. And I think that's taken its toll. And I think you're right. The lines are done. Yeah, I, I think that the reminder is to is to not get too low on Detroit. 
and go into 2020 very bullish on them, knowing what has happened to them this year, where some calls carry on to their way and they lost their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and they're I running back. Probably they lost carry on too. Yeah, I, I will probably bet their win total over next year. But no, I mean, this year it just it just was not happening. And look, they do slide a lot, but they're going to set a win total that's going to be reflective off of this year, which may not be as accurate, maybe a half a point or a point. And if you can get the Lions next year, five and a half or six, which is certainly going to be possible if they keep losing, I probably would go over on that based on what I've seen, but not for this year. All right, we'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. Coming back next, Jets and Giants, little Browns and Bills as well. You're listening to FST, Craig and Joe, back with you in just two minutes. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show as we touch on everything that happened in the world of fantasy football from yesterday. We'll get into that great game with the Cowboys and Vikings coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but one of the more exciting games yesterday, for sure, Jets and Giants, 34-27. Jets end up winning this one. What a tough team to predict they are. Uh, Sam Darnold, 230 passing yards and a rushing touchdown. Looked capable. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, look, he's he's probably in the end, even with all he's only a top 10 running back. I mean, that's just crazy. He's done like nothing all year, but somehow he gets 10, 15 points. Uh, Crowder's been really good. Wow, he has been a great pickup off the wire for sure in fantasy. Five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Demarius Thomas apparently still alive. Six catches, 84 yards. Looked good in that game yesterday. And Robbie Anderson, I guess, is done. Weird season for Robbie Anderson, too, as he's not getting the targets that he once got. Daniel Jones was a hot pickup on the wire this week, and that turned out fine. 308, four touchdowns for him. Uh, Darius Slayton has been an absolute monster this year. Ten catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. He's been awesome. Golden Tate, my gosh, uh, Joe hit that one for uh, for ninety five and two touchdowns. I was crapping all over him, and that is that has definitely worked out. If you owned him in fantasy, no doubt about that. Uh, and Saquon Barkley, thirteen carries, one yard, five catches for thirty yards. As I illustrated at the top of the show, uh, look, Barkley was the number one pick overall in fantasy. That is not going to come close to being a reality because of his injuries. And I think that Joe, look. He, he certainly could play this week. He certainly could play next week. But I would ask this from a reality point of view. And I don't want to, you know, poop on fantasy owners. And I'm sure they're not rooting for this. But if you're the Giants, Joe, what purpose would it serve to play this guy, even if he's slightly hurt, kind of like how the Dolphins are doing with Xavier Howard and some of their other players? What purpose would it serve at all? to play Barkley for the final seven games. What What would it do? No, there, there is no purpose. I, I can't justify it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to fight for it because he seems like that kind of kid. I mean, we already know that because he already pushed that earlier window already. And here's the thing. If you still, if, if the trade deadline hasn't happened in your league yet and you're able to pull off a deal, like if this is the last week or, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, 
then maybe you do consider taking a Le'Veon Bell for him the rest of the season. Maybe you do consider taking a Joe Mixon the rest of the year for him. Take the guy who's healthy, you know, and playing. And you take a shot there. You're leaving some upside on the table. There's no doubt about it. But I guess if you are um, a Saquon Barkley owner, the chances of your team being super relevant still are shaky as well. And and I also kind of wonder, too, the teams that got out from under that Barkley injury right away were kind of hating life, Craig. And then... He's come back and he hasn't necessarily been great and he came back early. So maybe that was the right decision after all. Maybe it is. If a guy's hurt, you know what? Just kind of take what you can and move on from it. But Darius Slayton, the other thing not to get lost in this game to you, two more touchdowns for him. A lot of people saying, yeah, he's touchdown dependent. Well, guess what? He's getting looks as long as Sterling Shepard's not in the lineup, as long as Evan Ingram's hurt. Darius Slayton is definitely someone who has a good rapport with Daniel Jones. There is absolutely no denying that. He looks for him. He targets him. He also looks for him in big spots. And it's clear. So I think this is another guy you can add to that list that we did last week of sneaky guys to add for 2020 in Dynasty that might have some value. Slayton's one of those guys where you pick him up in a trade, you keep him next year. I think he could be a very good uh, wide receiver three right now in this offense. Yeah, he looks he looks fantastic. And and look, Shepard's injury is, is contributed to that. No question. But Daniel Jones really looks like a guy that's going to go into the season as a back-end QB1, uh, maybe high-end QB2. He's he's really been good. They just they don't have a defense. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that a lot of Giants fans, Joe, are calling for the firing of Shermer. Like, maybe I'm just missing this one, but what did they really think they were going to be going into the season? I, I don't know. Just kind of caught me by surprise to see that. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think it's just frustration. You know, I think everyone's just frustrated Right now, and rightfully so, there's a lot of frustration from both sides of New York football, from the Jets and the Giants side. And I think people had high expectations for Shermer. But look, whenever you have a rookie quarterback come in, there's always a transition. The problem is, what can Shermer do? There's no defense. This defense is not good from a personnel standpoint. So you have to kind of hang that on the general manager, too. The good news is you have the running back of the future. You have the quarterback of the future. Golden Tate was a nice pickup. You have a lot of pieces on offense. Evan Ingram's a very fine player. Now, this draft should be about addressing the defense. And if so, I think the Giants can turn around and be a 9-17 and easily next year. Would you agree with that if they just address the defense properly in the draft and free agency? Yeah, I would think so. I think that there's a good chance of that. But they definitely have to upgrade the defense, no question. Uh, Browns and Bills, 19-16, the final there. What a dud of this uh, game this was. In fact, uh, almost a complete disaster for Cleveland as before they came back at the end of this game, Baker Mayfield threw a little uh, touch pass or really a flip to uh, Nick Chubb, and uh, one of the Bills' defenders picked it up, ran it in for a touchdown. They ruled it was a pass and not a fumble, but it was really close. And so Cleveland was very fortunate to win this one, and that's why this game smelled fishy to me. I mean, why would the Browns be favored over the Bills? Well, here you go. Vegas knows how to make those lines. Landed right on it. Mayfield, 238, two touchdowns. Chubb, another great game, 20 for 116. Looks like Kareem Hunt is more of the pass-catching back, at least for now. Five for 57 for him in his first game back. Four rushes, 30 yards. Landry has been very good with Baker Mayfield. No doubt about him. Nine catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Beckham Jr. continues to have a very, very tough season. Five for 57 there. Uh, Josh Allen, 268, a rushing touchdown. He looked good uh, running the ball. Uh, Devin Singletary, they gave him the majority of the carries, which was eight for 40 yards and three catches for him. Frank Gore had five uh, rushes and still kind of the same situation with Buffalo that's going on. And John Brown's been a really good uh, wide receiver three all season long. 10, 10 points, 12 points, 10 points, 12 points, 15 points. He's been... Pretty solid for them all year, but overall a disappointing fantasy day, I would say, Joe. But when you have the Vegas total at 41, I don't know what you were supposed to expect. And 
the Browns basically did everything possible to lose this game and they ended up winning. <laughs> by three. You're right. They did. I mean, how was it? Six times, six chances from the two to get the ball in the end zone. and They couldn't do it. I mean, just just brutal in that game. Yet they still came out with a victory. And Buffalo needs to understand that although it's nice that, you know, they have some receivers now, I think Buffalo's key to victory is just getting Singletary the ball more. It happened last week. They got a W. This week, they got away from it a little bit. And for better or worse, no matter what the what's going on in the game, there's that temptation for them to, oh, let's air it out a little bit. Let's try to get Josh Allen up. No, no, no. Just run the football, run some play action. That's how you're going to get Ws. And uh, good job by Cleveland getting a W here. They go to three and six on this one. I will tell you this much. This is the first game back from Kareem Hunt. And if he's going to have seven catches and 75 all-purpose yards, you are loving life. If you picked up Kareem Hunt off the waiver wire in the last couple of weeks, that is a fantastic PPR line for a guy as a flex. Oh, my goodness. If this is his role, I want his role to be the guy who catches the ball in the backfield. This was a career high seven catches for him in his first game back. This is great. And maybe this is the beginning of maybe this is the beginning of the Browns turnaround. I doubt it. But I will say this. It's been a, a wasted season here for Odell Beckham owners. There are a lot of people chirping, putting him above uh, guys like Julio, putting him above guys. No, no. No, 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 no. Odell Beckham with this offense so far has not been good. I guess here's the question. Will Odell Beckham be a Brown next year? I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't I think, think so I said either. New England a few weeks ago. I think, yeah, uh, I think he ends up with you the You think Patriots. he would fit there? You think they would take that personality? I know they took Antonio Brown, but he's all business on the field. All right. Uh, Buccaneers beat the Cardinals 30 to 27. A wild game for sure played in this one. Not a ton of defense until the end of the game where the Bucs came up really big on an interception, which uh, kind of sealed it. I thought Arizona was going to win this game in the end. Uh, Cardinals outplayed the Bucs in this game. Don't, don't even right. uh, question this one. They outplayed them completely. It's just that Tampa made a couple plays, and um, Max Williams had a ball go off his face on fourth down. I saw that play. Uh, Winston, <laughs> 358 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Ronald Jones, uh, 29 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown, caught eight balls for 77 yards, almost single-handedly gave the game away, fumbling the ball. Uh, Mike Evans, untouched four fumble, catches, by the 82 way. yards. Can you, yeah, for for those who didn't see it, like, he was just running, and the, he, I, he had already transferred the ball, and I guess he didn't transfer it clean, and it just came right out of his hand. It was just the weirdest fumble. It was like a ghost came over yeah. and knocked it out. O.J. Howard is alive. Four catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, finally, a performance from him that's worth noting. Uh, Kyler Murray, 324 yards, three touchdowns, a crucial interception late in the game that cost them the game. Uh, Kenyon Drake rushed for 35 yards. Uh, David Johnson is done. He's finished. Five carries, two yards. He fumbled, and then it looked like uh, Kingsbury, I was watching, uh, told his offensive coordinator, don't put him back in the game, and they did not. Uh, Christian Kirk, six catches, 138 yards, three touchdowns, best game of his career, best fantasy receiving game of the day. Andy Isabella is getting more involved. Thank goodness for me for next year. Three catches, 78 yards, and then Larry Fitzgerald had a nice game, eight catches for 71 yards. So, uh, look, I give Tampa credit. They have, they ended up uh, eking this thing out, but there's another team, Joe, that did everything possible to give this game away until the Cardinals finally gave the game away at the end when uh, Murray threw an interception on the 20-yard line of Tampa Bay. They could have kicked the field goal and at least tied it, went to overtime, but they did not. Yeah, look, this was nice to see a little rebound from Larry Fitzgerald because it's been crickets from him. I was worried about Kirk. I know a lot of people like Kirk. I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I'll take the heat on this this week. I just looked at that Kirk game log and a lot of games where he should have been good. He just wasn't. And it's just the, the floor was so low that I understand the expectations there. I understand the Tampa Bay Bucks defense is not very good in the secondary. We all know that. But Kyler Murray had not played well on the road in terms of throwing the football. So this was a great game for him in terms of fantasy. 
Uh, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. As a fantasy quarterback, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, the rest of the season or yeah. dynasty or rest of the season. I don't want to put dynasty on the old man. That's not fair. Okay. Rest of the season. Uh, I, I haven't looked at the schedule. I have to be fair with that. My, my, my inkling is to take Rogers in leagues where you don't lose points for interceptions. Uh, Murray hadn't thrown a pick in five games, but I still probably would lean Rogers. I don't know. It's well, a bit but even with that, does the Kyler Murray rushing ability, make up for the deficit if he does turn the ball over. I say yes. That's the one mistake that Kingsbury is making, is not letting him run enough. He's making a big mistake. When Murray I think he's runs, trying to keep him upright. I agree. Well, look, Lamar Jackson's running, okay? So Kyler Murray should be running more. Uh, the one run that he had yesterday, that he, he just took off and ran for like 40 yards on his own five, I don't know why they're not doing that. And on fourth and one, throwing balls in the sun off Max Williams' face. So um, <laughs> I'm still going to take Rodgers, but I, I could see a scenario where uh, where I would take Murray for sure. And by the way, let's talk about David Johnson here. He's done, Joe. Like, he, he looked like he I, was walking yeah. on the field. Like, he couldn't even move. I don't know what is going on with this guy. And anybody who's wondering and being upset this morning that David Johnson didn't get his carries again, well, you did not watch that game. He did not look good at all, like a statue behind that offensive line. Uh, I, I I, mean, I would, if I was in, in a fantasy league where I could get Drake, and I crazy to say, I would run to get him. I think he's going to be the primary ball carrier. But, Joe, I don't know what happened to David Johnson that his career has fallen off this cliff because it, it has, man. It was really bad watching Well, it's a back injury. Watch watch the film. You know, I don't know, I had one or two moments of back injury kind of things or pulled muscles in my back. It's paralyzing, man. It's awful. It's it's you can't do anything. And as an athlete, I can't imagine him going out there and then it sees up on you again. And that's, I think, why you see him with no burst. And that's where he is. And I was shocked when he came out. I was like, no, I'm playing. And he was so vocal about it. And I kind of was wondering, well, you know, I guess this is kind of in the statement to a couple of weeks ago when they said he was active and then he was not active. Active was not the word I would use to describe him. He was present that I would say, but not active. And you're right. You are absolutely right. I think that he's done. I think if you're in a keeper dynasty situation with DJ, you take what you can get and you move on because I don't know if it's going to get better. He might be one of these guys. We look back and say, man, he had a couple of really good seasons, but he really never lived up to the potential. I think that's where we're at with him, man. I think we are. And here's where we're at with this show. Best of the first hour coming up next. Joe and I back for hour number two. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today on this Monday and this Veterans Day. Don't go away. Stop it. Yeah. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. 
this is a matter of the Saints got into the red zone a billion times and just kept kicking field goals, I would guess that they'll be completely fine, and this is a blip on the radar. But the Falcons are not supposed to go into New Orleans and win the game. Cover? Yes. Play close? Sure. But win? No. That's not supposed to happen. No, it's not. And I think there's a lot of people that felt like, okay, after the halftime, they'll come back and New Orleans will get it all together. But then now, no, no, it didn't happen. It was unbelievable. This was stunning. Stunning in the DFS community, too, because I know a lot of people were all in on the whole, you know, Kamara and Murray and everybody. And this was my fear of last week's game with Seattle, where sometimes, you know, the Seattle and the Bucks game, it all looked good on paper. You look at that big total. Okay, it could be there. And it just doesn't happen. And you're just kind of, oh, what a bummer. And I'll tell you what, too, losing Marshawn Lattimore in this game was huge as well. On the defensive side in the beginning of that game, Julio was getting stuffed everywhere. Lattimore came out with an injury. Next thing you know, Julio's catching balls all over the place. So, you know, that was that was a big difference in this game, too. And I give the Falcons a lot of credit because this was a team that certainly, I think the, everybody's basically left for dead. Let's be honest. I mean, we did. But they came out there and they competed. They went out there off the bye and they said, hey, you know what? We're going to go out and we're going to bring it. And they did. And they came out with a W. This is a tough loss here, too, because in the NFC, I feel like there's not a lot of wiggle room because of how good that 49er record is. And this was a game that you should have won at home against a bad defense, and you didn't. And you want the road to the Super Bowl to go through New Orleans, not through San Francisco. Not that it's a huge advantage, but usually that dome is an advantage for Drew Brees. So this is shocking. And I hope you have your running shoes on because you, Craig Mish, should absolutely take the victory lap for Brian Hill. Absolutely 100% Brian Hill. All you. 